Planescape Torment, the unofficial audio series. A narrative let's play adapted and produced by Revoke GM. Combining in-game audio with additional voice acting through dialogue and descriptions to improve your listening experience. Rediscover the amazing story of the 1999 cult classic isometric video game, Planescape Torment, like you've never heard before. Drums and whistles sound through the air as you tear through the streets of the hive. Wild hooligans trailing behind you in a wake of chaos. It's less as if you're being chased, so much as leading a procession of madness. In the purple night, the blurry faces twist in a wild, murderous glee. Just out of your reach, several balconies stretch above. You risk a leap, grabbing for the overhanging beams as a clawed hand grasps your calf and rips you to the ground. A face looms into your vision, leering with a maniacal feline grin, the tang of their rotten breath choking. Immediately, Maud descends upon them, his wicked fangs gnashing the newfound fury. Blockading the path behind, Dakon holds the alley, wrestling his glaive from the clutches of a bear-sized man. You crash your shoulder into the flank of this brute, flinging him into the cobbles. Drawing a quick sigil into the air, a brilliant sphere erupts from your hand, engulfing the Hulk in chromatic flames. He screams in agony as the smell of burned hair fills the street. Fleeing from the carnage, you skid into a darkened alley momentarily out of sight. Doors slam shut before you, hatches are bolted. It's a dead end. But one voice calls out in sympathy. Quickly, in here! Before they come this way! You rush through the threshold, gasping for breath. And listen. God, you are A few tense moments, with your back pressed against the doorway. And it seems the mad parade has lost your trail, or lost interest in your pursuit. This woman looks to be in her middle years, streaks of grey running through her hair, lines of worry crisscross her face. You didn't have to let us in. <laughs> Thank you. Although I'm not sure what would have happened if you hadn't. Uh, what's your name? Deborah. Her home is modest, pleasant. One large, simple room with a small bed, table and coal stove. A man lies in the bed, seemingly asleep, oblivious to your presence. You'd... You'd best leave. For you wake me husband. He won't like me having let you into our home. All right. Uh, just, just a moment while we catch our breath. She glances towards her husband, worry in her eyes. I... Now, I, I have not the time, stranger. Do, do not be troubling me with such things. Forgive me. Uh, are you all right? Me? She seems surprised. Oh, I, I, I... She lowers her voice. You, you'd best leave. My husband has not been himself of late. You'd best not provoke him with your presence. What's wrong with him? He's, he's been out of sorts of late. A touch of the cough, maybe. She gives an unconvincing half-shrug. You know, if you tell me what's wrong, I might be able to help. I think 
I think he's done something that he regrets. I think... He signed one of the dead contracts. I cannot imagine what possessed him to do such a foolish thing. Dead contracts? The, 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 the dead. The, the dustmen have contracts that give them the right to someone's body after they die. Animate it with their wicked magics. Turn it into one of the walking dead. Make it a worker till... She looks to her husband helplessly. Till it rots away. Why did your husband sign such a thing? He may have been goat-eager to bring home some more jink than custom. He's prideful, but I think he's hurt himself more by doing so. Well, your husband won't need his body after death. Is there more to it than this? But the, the ghoulishness of the contract aside, it's his nature that's been changed. He's become sullen and dark since doing the signing, and, and he can't seem to rouse himself to look for honest work. It's like the lady's shadow hangs on him. She sighs. Can this contract be undone? I've tried. I've spoken to the dustman he did the signing with, but he's cold and chill, like all the dusties. He even lectured me on me husband as if I had no right to try and help him. Her lips become a tight, thin line. <sighs> he was cold cruel, he was. Let me see what I can do. Who was this dustman your husband signed the contract with? The Dusty calls himself Gravesend. I, I know not his first name. He, he has a table at the Dustman Bar in the Hive. Gathering Dust, I believe the place is named. You can most like find him there, trying to get more people to sign his contracts. Head out to the street outside. Go spywards towards the mortuary. She taps her finger against her chin. You should run right into it. There's one of them... Her face wrinkles in disgust. Walking corpses out front. Thank you. I, I know the way. And I think I know who you mean. I'll go see what I can do. I won't turn away such a friendly gesture. She seems grateful. Then her worried expression returns. But I must ask that you not let out that I asked you to do such a thing. My husband has a, a, a terrible temper... And, and if he were to find out... She shudders. I promise that your husband will not find out. Thank you, stranger. I appreciate your help. The streets have all but calmed, aside from a few distant howls and shrieks. It would seem you can traverse the hive in relative safety for now. It must be quite late, an hour or so before Antipeak and the gathering dust bar, for all its grimness, still shows signs of life. The same morbid corpse is stood vacant by the entrance. Mordai Gravesend. At your voice, the dutiful zombie flings an arm towards the door, almost smashing into the wall behind it. Thank you. And with a courteous nod, you enter. Inside, it is much the same as the last time. Huddles of dustmen served by the undead muttering in their myriad languages. You lean against the green stone of the bar and recoil in an instant, leaving behind a scrap of bloody skin frozen against its surface. A zombie turns her attention to the three of you, her burlap vest covered in food and wine stains. Hello, deadly and delicious. I don't need a cast a spell to know what you want. <laughs> Quit it, Mort. How's about a fortnight fling around the mausoleum? Keep this up and I'm gonna fling you somewhere, alright? You slap three copper coins onto the slab and point at one of the mysterious jars lining the wall. The zombie jerks towards the back bar and fills a small glass with a dram of clear liquid. 
It must be extremely potent, as the eye-stinging fumes burn you before the glass even touches your lips. The taste is like licorice mixed with lamp oil, but it does at least cover the smell of vinegar and dirty bandages that permeates the bar. Ah, traveler! You swivel, a little heady from the shot, and Mortai smiles as he sees you. We meet again. And what brings you here on this fine, Sigillian night? He looks hopeful. Come to sign the contract, perhaps? Had you signed that dead contract with Angyar? He looks puzzled. Uh, may mayhap. I do not recall the name, however. Nonetheless, might you have that contract with you? Mortai frowns, then looks into the folds of his robes. Well, I, I do not normally keep the documents with me, but it may be that... He pulls um... forth a sheaf of papers from within his robes and begins leafing through the documents. Uh, no, no, I, I don't have it on me. W would you like me to fetch it from one of the back rooms? You keep many contracts here in the establishment. Until they are shipped to the mortuary, yes. I've signed many contracts in my life, many contracts, including my own. <laughs> Such a trouble to haul them all to the mortuary. I would like to settle the contract you made with Angyar. Uh, uh, <laughs> I'm afraid that is impossible. The contract is signed, settled, and binding. The contract is tearing this man's life apart. It is causing him distress. It is possible that he may not even be able to approach the true death with such emotions churning in his mind. Mortai chews it over for a moment, his usual fidgeting more erratic than ever. I, 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 I cannot. It is a matter of law, my friend. Besides, the, the burden lies upon the signer to overcome his feelings in order to reach the true death. I, I cannot have So what the... you're saying is that you'll deny him the true death for the sake of a piece of parchment. Mortai sighs and holds up his hands as if to placate you. Uh, look, it, it is not how you are making it out to be. You obviously hold the philosophy of the dustman in contempt to damn a man's soul over a piece of paper. Do other members of your faction know of your conduct in this regard? If not, they soon will. Mortai glares at you for a moment, opens his mouth, closes it, then opens it. By, by the Nine Hells, wait here and keep your bone box latched. He gives an angry scowl and stomps off. A few seconds later, he returns, holding a dusty piece of parchment. Here. All for a man's peace of mind. Now be gone and nettle me no longer with your preachings. I'll leave for now. Farewell, Mordai. It's too late now to head back with Angya's contract, and so you spend the night back at Arlo's. He barely looks up as he waves you to the empty cots. The next day, on the way back to the Hiver's Hovel, you pass the memorial. The black stone obelisk pierces the pale morning sky like a fang, glistening in the grey drizzle. Sevtai kneels at the memorial walls, her hair bedraggled, the damp from the pavement soaking into her morning gown. She raises her face as you approach, a fresh mask of paint covering her bruises. You survived! <laughs> I heard rumors from last night of a flaming skull flanked by ancient guardians leading a riot near the madhouse district. The doers of such things appear not to be undone. Septai leans to the side and casts her eye towards Dakon and Mort, waiting outside the cloistered square. 
I trust this means you have news for Seftai. The deed is done. I found the starved dogs barking and penned three of them in the dead book. <laughs> the powers be not blind in their justice this day. She unhooks a serpentine earring from her ear. You are a pretty bit it should fetch. Tis worth thrice thirty-three coppers to the right buyer, I'm sure. It belonged to one of my sisters, but she won't be needing it anymore. Very well. Farewell, Septai. Farewell, Scatman. All that remains of last night's riot is a broken signpost and the shattered glass that decorates the street outside Deborah and her husband's door. You wrap your knuckles against the frame and see Deborah's face fill with hope as she opens it to greet you. Were you able? Yes, I was able to get the contract from Mordai. Here it is. She looks relieved, and her eyes become misty. Oh, oh, by the powers, you must be a devil in disguise to do such a thing for someone you barely know. Nay, nay, if, if you could show me husband the contract, say that you got it for him, but, 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 but don't say how. I'd appreciate it. Very well. I'll show it to him then. Inside, you see Angyar eating at his table. He looks haunted. His eyes are half-lidded, as if he has had trouble sleeping, and his hair is long and unkempt. His beard is flecked with dead skin and old bits of food. He doesn't seem to notice you as you approach. Greetings. The man glances up at the sound of your voice, and his slack expression vanishes. It looks like someone has lit two fires in his eyes. Hey, what, what be your business barging into my house? His eyes narrow and his teeth clench. Get, or I'll send you back to whatever grave you crawled from. Without a word, you show him his dustman contract. The blood immediately drains out of Angyar's face. For a moment, he seems at a loss for words. Then his temper quickly resurfaces. Where did you get that? By the powers, you'd, you'd best tell me. You tear up the contract right in front of his face. He stops, completely silent, and his eyes follow the scraps of paper as they float to the ground. He shudders, shaking off a numbness, then straightens, as if a great weight was lifted from him. I... I... I, I must have prayed to the right powers this past half month. Yeah. He looks like he is about to thank you, then stops and stares at you suspiciously. Nothing's free. Not in the hive, Kutta. Consider this free. And expect a lot of rules in the hive to change while I'm around. His expression crumbles. He looks tired of fighting his good fortune. <laughs> you have me thanks, Kutta. For whatever that's worth. It's worth a great deal to me. Take care, Angyar. Day 5. Hour. 3 before peak. I found Ingress and told her of Candrian, and it seems he managed to return her to a home plane. He also warned me against disturbing the balance here in Sigil, though I feel it would only serve to address the balance of my past. At the smoldering corpse, Drusilla told me about her lover, the being trapped and burning at the entrance. She claimed that he foresaw my arrival and my role in freeing him. Am I responsible for his fate also? 
There are too many questions I have about my past. I need to look towards my future. I need to decide how to live now. Thank you for listening to Planescape Torment, the unofficial audio series, a Revoca GM production. To support the show and those involved, please consider subscribing to our Patreon or donating via our Ko-fi page. Links to both are in the description.